This is a Rooster Teeth production. Whenever I find myself growing grim about the mouth, whenever it is a damp, drizzly November in my soul, whenever I find myself involuntarily pausing before coffin warehouses and bringing up the rear of every funeral I meet, and especially whenever my hypos get such an upper hand of me that it requires a strong moral principle to prevent me from deliberately stepping into the street and methodically knocking people's hats off, then I account it high time to get to see as soon as I can. <laughs> was that- Brian, that was really good. Wow, Brian, I, I, I didn't know you had it in you. Was that off the dome? It's hard being back on land. <laughs> BG Melville. That's Moby Ooh, Dick. You'll know why in a short the, time. The salt in your veins. <laughs> Nothing else compares. The, the fat between your teeth because you ran out of food. I don't know how whaling works. There are so many incredible quotes. Not even from, not from Moby Dick, but just from this, like, these guys in this ship. Speaking of which, November 20th, 1820. An American whaleboat is attacked and destroyed, ironically, by a whale. What happens next is a harrowing account of survival that would go on to inspire one of the great American novels. I'm Charlotte. I'm Patrick. I'm Brian. Ahoy and welcome aboard Ship Hits the Fan, a podcast about some of history's most notable uh-ohs and whoopsies on the high seas. We're back. We're back. We're Season back. Season three. And you know what that big one. This is, oh, this is a yeah. big one, yeah. And you know what that means? More crap from the mind of Charlotte Avery. <laughs> Let's hear it. Podcasts, podcasts everywhere, but not an hour to listen. Mm-hmm. Some never get that white whale, but for this, the brave crew of Ship Hits the Fan, we have caught and vanquished our very own Moby Dick. A harpoon lodged, what, is that the name of, that's the name of the whale, right? Moby Dick? Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. A harpoon lodged firmly in the fleshy exterior of a third season. A third season sure to shock and delight. A would-be page turner, should someone transcribe the words broadcast to this RSS feed. That's really nice. Thank you. Go follow us on social. Go follow us on social. Yeah. Were you going <laughs> to... What? Nothing. Did Nothing. you want me to question I, No, your... I put some bait in there. I, thought I see you would... it. It's yeah. The, yeah, the podcast, podcast everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Was that from Moby Dick? No. Is that... No, it's not. It's the from Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. And I'm always oh. saying, I'm misquoting it often and Patrick always written, corrects me. Written by an opium addict. Coleridge? Coleridge, big opium addict, which ties into this because apparently all the wives in Nantucket were big opium addicts. Oh my God, yeah. I mean, every every woman that stayed at home while her man went off to work was a drug addict until I think maybe still. Yeah, no, still. You, they would drink uh, vanilla extract. Exactly. That's the, yeah. yeah, the classic. Is this that mother's little helper that the Stones wrote about? Pretty much, that, yeah. Are we talking about that? Yep. Okay. For the time. Yeah, brown sugar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is one that I've I've wanted to do since the very beginning. You bring this up and every pitch. Constantly. I do. I yeah. do. You're like, hey, maybe the Essex would be uh, <clears throat> good. And then I insisted. <laughs> he held us at knife point. So let's get let's, let's get into it. AKA just put it to the top of the Google. Right, I said, "Hey, <laughs> we're doing." Else had a chance. I said, "Hey, we're doing this." I, I don't know if you'll notice, but Patrick read two of the three bonus episodes, and when I was like, "Should I do this next one?" He's like, mm, "No, no, I'm gonna <laughs> I do think it." I should do this one. I did. I insisted. Yeah, you did. And you'll see why briefly. I you won't. Do. There's no. I just already know the story. So 
The Essex was reportedly built in Amesbury, Massachusetts. It was a three-masted ship made from white oak, and it measured 87 feet long. In 1799, the Essex was launched, and it was initially used as a merchant ship before being converted into a whaling vessel. The Essex was based in Nantucket, which at the time was considered the whaling capital of the United States. Huh. Nantucket in that time period is fascinating. Okay. We don't have time to get into it, but I highly recommend everyone just look. It's like a city that it, it's basically that's the job you have if you are a man and live in Nantucket. You are a whaler and everything in the city revolves around or on the island or whatever revolves entirely around whaling. So like there's two things to do. There's whaling and Opium. starring in limericks. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You, you pick one when we you're should, born. Maybe we'll do a Nantucket episode one day. <laughs> Honestly, there's enough there that we could. It's it, like even the, the descriptions of it are like every chi- every like children's game had something to do with being on a boat. Wow. Like, you you know, like climbing, like swinging from the ropes yeah. and all that. It's yeah, everything. The mizzenmast. It's just so seeped into the society that is completely unavoidable. Like the slang was all ship slang. That's great. Whether I love or not you've ever been on a ship or anything, you know. We so. live we live close to a marina. We we should be able to roll that in. You want to go whaling? It it feels like such a uh antiquated profession now. Like you're a professional bull baiter or a fox hunter. Yeah. Or so it's just such an old school Nantucket is Massachusetts, right? Like Cape Cod. Yeah, yeah. But I they are those. they are very like at this time period. For sure, they are. They probably would consider themselves their own thing. It's very island, oh, you know, okay. very like island type mm, of got it. mentality. Yes. So we should talk about whaling. And the first thing you should know is that in the early 19th century, it was an extremely difficult profession, as opposed to now. Well, yeah, it's probably honestly pretty easy. I'm sure now this you just in a huge ship that comes up alongside a whale and opens it's fire. It's got a and- big cow catcher on the front. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so capturing a whale went something like this. After crews spotted their prey, smaller whaleboats were launched with about six men on board. After getting within feet of the whale, a harpoon connected to a rope was thrown. That tethered the small boat to the whale. That is not what killed the whale, though. After the whale became tired, the sailors would then kill it with a lance and tow it to the main vessel where it was harvested for blubber and oil. You would essentially tie yourself to a monster. Several boats at a time with a rope that is like, Obviously, extremely tight. If that thing snaps, it can cut you in half. To the largest animal on Earth. Yes. You're tying yourself. Which is in its own environment. (laughs) Like, it is, you know. Yeah, it's like monster hunter. With a 12-foot tail (laughs) that can crush and kill you in a second. And you're pissing it off. And basically, it's fishing, you know. Like, the main part of fishing is tiring out the fish. It's not hooking it necessarily or, like, reeling. It's it's tiring it out so that you can reel it in. This was the original Monster Hunter. Yeah, yeah except yeah, you yeah. couldn't really you was. couldn't call for Japanese players to come help you out. Exactly. Yeah, although it was much easier to get started on multiplayer. Right. <laughs> so yeah, the lance you would they would aim for these like this clump of nerves essentially that Ugh. like regulated the the lungs or something I think and it, once they hit that and it would take like sometimes like 10, 12, 50 whatever like goes of just mm. destroying this whale. Um, hey, it's okay, but try it again. I'm sorry, I'm just yeah. nervous. These whaling voyages often lasted years. Like, you would go out to sea for three or four years and just not, that that's your life. Mm-hmm. You might never see, I mean, they would they would stop in ports to resupply and stuff, but like, 
you're gone from your home for three to four years. The kids are in high school when you get back. Yeah. Yep. Again, extremely dangerous work to say the least. And like I said, in Nantucket, whaling was much more than a job. The industry touched every single thing on the island. Fortunes and reputations were made on these voyages. Boys as young as 13, probably younger, would first ask their parents permission to go on a ship, who they would probably often say no, uh, in which case they would just stow away on those ships with the hopes of like the captain or whatever is just like, well, you're here, I guess. Yeah. Put you to work. You're not, not going to eat for free. Um, so go to work. And <sighs> that's how they would make names for themselves. And I looked it up because there's a cabin boy who becomes important in the story. He probably made what's called, so his lay, which is basically the breakdown of pay mm-hmm. on a whaling ship. You get a, you get like a fraction of the total money made from whaling. Sure. It it's called reasonable. a lay. So yeah. like the, the further down you go, the, you know, a cabin boy, he went, he made something around in two years of work. The guy before him made, I believe it was $150. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Was that good money back then? No. Oh. It was oh. not. I but, guess for two years. But yeah. you would do it for two years. You'd get, you know, room and board, essentially, um, and like food or whatever. And then you would do your two years as a cabin boy, and hopefully on the next ship, you are something else. You come back to <laughs> it's town. It's like being in the military, kind of. To, yeah, Everything's pretty much. Paid for. Yeah. Yeah, and you get plenty of time to make TikToks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so this is this is like their identity. This is like in Texas, it's cowboys. Yep. Uh, in New Orleans, it's it's jazz and music, and, mm-hmm. and here we're we're whalers. Los yeah. Angeles, it's podcasting. <laughs> you're 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 nobody if you're not a whaler. <laughs> and there's also some crazy stuff. Like there's a whittling code where people looking for work on a ship whittle down by like the docks. Yeah. And depending on how you're whittling. They know what type of job you're looking for and like how experienced you are. Wow. It's crazy. That's yeah. cool. That's, it I is. mean, that's it's really a night, neat. It's a nightmare industry that almost hunted these animals to extinction, but. Uh, yeah, and killed they, many of the people uh, responsible. Yes, yes, very Except much so. Except for surely the, the people bankrolling it. No, they did pretty good. Yeah. no, They did very yeah, good, yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're not necessarily generous with the payouts either. No. Yeah, yeah. What? It might surprise you, but yeah. Well, yeah, it's called the Gilded Age. It's not the Fair Pay Age. (laughs) Yeah. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Guys, there are a lot of ways to take care of your mind. You can exercise. You can meditate. uh, You can just take a break, go somewhere, travel. But guys, how well would you take care of your car if you had to keep the same one your entire life? That is how our brains work. We should treat those the same way. There's a lot of ways to support a healthy brain. You can learn a new language, you can nap, and there is better help online therapy. Let me tell you, I'm in therapy and it is a huge help. They give you strategies for negating stress, dealing with the problems of everyday life, different strategies to uh, deal with problems that come up. It has been super helpful in my own life. Now, we should talk about BetterHelp. It is online therapy. It offers video, phone, live chat-only therapy sessions. You don't have to see anybody on camera if you don't want to, and it is much more affordable than in-person therapy. You can get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. That is less than two days, super fast, and our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash shiphitsfan, all one word. That's better, H-E-L-P, 
com slash ship hits fan. Guys, let's talk about HelloFresh, one of my favorite sponsors of ours. With HelloFresh, they are the best. You get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorsteps. Skip that trip to the grocery store. It's a pain. You don't need that. HelloFresh has got you covered. They make your home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. Guess what? That's why it's America's number one meal kit. The best part about HelloFresh is it is easy. They've got quick and easy recipes, 20-minute meals, low prep, low cleanup options. They give you an even faster route to putting food on the table around your schedule. And especially on weeknights, if you just need to get something done, you can be the big hero. Do you need another reason to stay in for dinner? All right, I'm going to give it to you. HelloFresh 72% cheaper than dining at a restaurant. It's even cheaper than grocery shopping. That is money back in your pockets. You can buy video games, do whatever you want. It's your business. I love HelloFresh. Oh my gosh. Recently, I cooked this tofu curry. It was so easy. They give you all the the steps you need to do. They break it down for you. It is super easy to do. I'd never cooked tofu before in my life. It was so good. It was, I didn't think I would be the kind of person who ate tofu, but here we are. So guys, here's what you need to do. Go to HelloFresh.com slash ShipHitsFan16 and use code ShipHitsFan16 for 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. That is HelloFresh.com slash ShipHitsFan16 and use code ShipHitsFan16. 16 free meals. You can't go wrong. So let's talk about the final journey of the Essex. Let's. The ship left Nantucket for the last time on August 12th, 1819. From there, it headed to the South Pacific Ocean. Essentially, that area of the Atlantic had been hunted completely. They're gone. The whales are no longer there. So they just have to go all the way down around the Horn? They had to go around, yes. Around. Chile and Argentina into the Pacific. Couldn't they just Fitzcarral do it? They should have, <laughs> but they did not. The one thing I've learned is that pre-Panama and Suez canals, things took so much longer. They would do it, oh, but yeah. it added months and years. Yeah, you're not getting everything. that two-day shipping. Well, that's what happened is these voyages were like, apparently the voyages were about nine months before, um, before they had basically cleared the Atlantic of whales. And then, uh, yeah, it became like three, it's four just, years. It's just the hubris. Just find yeah. the biggest animal, like mm-hmm. a buffalo or, <laughs> or yeah. an elephant or a whale. Yep. Honey, I'm sorry. I wish there was some sort of magic canal in Central America that would cut this trip short, but it's going to be three years. Listen, <laughs> I wish I could cleave an entire country in half, but I just don't know how. <laughs> I don't have the time. I don't have the time. The 21 men on board were led by first-time Captain George Pollard, Jr., And we should note the trip was going to last a long time, really long, three years long. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Pollard's predecessor had switched to a different ship, I believe, and a nicer, larger ship for better pay. Or he had retired. I don't remember which. But basically, Pollard was the, uh, I think he'd been the first mate on the Essex and just got kind of everybody got promoted up. Oh, okay. So like everyone on the ship then got promoted up. Get us another stowaway. We need to fill in the bottom. Yeah. And it was a lot of people who were not from Nantucket, a lot of people who this was their first whaling voyage, maybe, mm. um, or they were just generally kind of inexperienced. This was in the days before the Panama Canal, obviously. So the Essex headed south and circled around the tip of South America before heading to the South Pacific. Just two days in, the trip almost came to an end 
on August 14th when the Essex was knocked onto its side by a squall. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. The impact almost sunk the Essex and it destroyed two of its whaleboats. These ships would travel with like spares because you are, again, harpooning yourself to the side of a monster. <laughs> <laughs> like these ships get destroyed frequently. What if Patrick Mann was the monster? Well, Mann was the real monster. Oh, okay. But... If you oh, are a man, wow. the whale is also a monster. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's bigger yeah, than yeah, most quite guys. Quite a bit. Yeah. Quite a bit bigger than most guys. <laughs> At this point, Pollard, the captain, wanted to cut the trip short and return to Nantucket. But his first mate, Owen Chase, convinced him to continue. Mm. Obviously, the crew was searching for whales. Sperm whales, to be exact. Okay, get those laughs out now, gang. Do you know okay. why they're called sperm whales? Ah, uh, because they look like <laughs> sperm. I better be high-fiving at the end of this answer. Why? It's because the spermaceti that they collect from them looks like sperm. The, oh. Spermaceti? It is, it is directly connected to sperm, the way you're thinking of it. So their their sperm looks like sperm. No, no, no. It's not sperm. It's What's basically, spermaceti? Is it a pasta? Yes, it's a pasta. <laughs> spermaceti. Spermaceti. Uh, it's like a... There's like a cavity in the whale's head where this this stuff is, spermaceti. Ugh. What does and it they, do? They basically scoop. It was used for everything. But for the whale? For the whale? I, I don't remember. <laughs> it's just an oil. It's a rare. It's why the uh, sperm whales are so much more valued. Their oil is just way better. They've also. just got oil in their noggin. Yeah. And on their, I mean, and the blubber. And but, it could dye a Frenchman's cloak purple. That's why we needed it. That's honestly, yes. That's basically what it, part of it. But, <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, interesting. It was used in... Everything. Like, but yeah, here, candles and ointments. Uh, it was found in an organ. Okay, it, it focuses acoustic signals and aids in the control of buoyancy. Oh, well, I, that's what, the, that was my whale. first assumption. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't want to, you know, we have to. <laughs> right, be, I know. Yeah, authoritative. Don't want to make assumptions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brian, you knew that. They did right? not. The, <laughs> Brian knew, yeah. We were a lot handier back then. We, we just, were. We, knew, we, we used every part of the, the whale. <laughs> well, every part that was profitable, the rest was left for the sharks. <laughs> Sperma, <spermacetti. laughs> they didn't have any luck until two months into the voyage when the ship was south of Rio de Janeiro. It was there that they spotted their first whale, and it was by all accounts a success, and the crew was able to make their first kill. Hmm. Yeah. Months went by. In January 1820, the Essex rounded Cape Horn in South America and made their way to the South Pacific. It had been relatively slow hunting until then, but once the ship hit the waters off Peru in the Pacific, they managed to get 10 more whales. Jesus. They would, yeah, oh yeah. You, they're killing this is a so many whales. No wonder, well, no they, wonder they are an entire ocean. Yeah, yeah seriously. I was yeah. thinking the same thing. This is one ship leaving from one island, mm. and already they've killed 11 whales. Like, Good, great. Yeah, yeah. And this was an enormous industry. In late May, Pollard decided to head farther west, away from the coast of South America. But the population of whales was not as good as they'd expected. At some point, the crew encountered other whalers who told them of a huge newly discovered hunting ground about 25 nautical miles to the south and west of their current position. Now that was a risky proposition. This was far away from the traditional hunting grounds and the crew had heard rumors that the islands of the South Pacific were full of cannibals. <sighs> yeah. But eventually, they did decide to head out, lured by the possibility of more whales and more profit. Yeah, they went to this previous whale hunting ground, and there was a, a big sign posted in the middle that said, gone to lunch. <laughs> Private property, do not <laughs> trespass. <laughs> no hunting. <laughs> to prepare, they stopped in Ecuador in September 1820 to resupply, and it was there that one of the crew deserted. <gasps> smart, smart man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Saw the way things were going. Yep. <laughs> 
Despite that, the ship sailed on. They stopped at one of the Galapagos Islands, Hood Island to be exact, and they fixed a leak there on the Essex and caught nearly 200 tortoises. <laughs> Galapagos Two tortoises. 200. 200. Why? I guess for money. No, for turtle meat. Yeah. They, lo- they loved we'll eating turtle. Yeah, they yeah. They loved yeah. eating turtle. In late October, they reached another Galapagos Island, this one called Charles Island, where they collected more tortoises. Okay, so more than 200. But yeah. why? Why, you say? Yeah, well, I, I did. The sailors considered <laughs> the tortoises delicious and extremely nutritious and planned to butcher them at sea as needed. It's a portable food supply. Is it portable if it's got an enormous shell? I do wonder like a what, lunchbox. what do 200 Galapagos tortoises <laughs> on the deck of like a not-that-big <laughs> ship look like? Were the whole stacked? thing must have been, I don't know. You know, at some point, they had some turtle races. Oh, yeah, of course. And the losers pass are the eaten. <laughs> and the winners are eaten. <laughs> <laughs> My God. <laughs> it's just a lot of, there's a lot of senseless animal death in this one. Oh, it's the whole thing. Especially, yeah. especially, especially you out, a creature buckle that, up. Right, yeah. that can live 150 years plus. <laughs> Well, I don't know and, if these are the big ones. I don't know if these are the big yeah, ones know. you're thinking about. Maybe they're maybe uh, were medium. I guess maybe sized. they were medium. Maybe they only would have lived to seventy. Well, and don't worry, the human animal doesn't get away scot free here either. So <laughs> <laughs> I um, had a feeling. And you know, when the fellas get together and go out on a whaling voyage, mm-hmm. you know there's oh. gonna be some pranks. Oh, right? you're kidding. Okay. So while hunting on Charles Island, the ship's helmsman, Thomas Chapel, decided to set a fire as a prank. Oh, okay. It's just a prank. It's, and it was funny and everything went yes, fine. That sounds like Chapel. That sounds yeah, like that's Anthony Chapel. Tommy to a T. That guy loved that shit. So this prank, obviously a classic to start a fire at the height of the dry season. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it quickly burned out of control, surrounding the hunters and forcing them to run through the flames to escape. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what? It's fine that we killed Trouble. so many tortoises. <laughs> we killed so many tortoises, but look how many we left on the island. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. And by the time those men did get back to the Essex, almost the entire <laughs> island was burning. <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah. You know, someone was like, this is going to make a great painting. Guys, yes. guys, check this out. <laughs> yeah. The crew was upset about the fire, and Captain Pollard swore vengeance on whoever had said it. You don't want to see Captain's vengeance either. No. That's I bad would, news. I would rather not. Yeah. The next day, the island was still burning as the ship sailed for the offshore grounds. Wow. God. Just such a destructive con. Like, just like, <laughs> we just yeah. killing hundreds of tortoises and yep. dozens of whales and setting entire islands aflame as a prank, bro. Yep. What was the prank? Well, it's funny. I mean, I mean, I get it. Yeah. yeah. I guess, I guess, yeah, you're right. I mean, I almost set a bunch of stuff on fire when I was a kid because I thought it was funny. As a prank. Yeah, as a prank. Maybe one of the guys fell asleep first and, you know, you, you got you to gotta burn his eyebrows off. Yeah, yeah. After a full day of sailing, the fire was still visible on the horizon. Fearing a certain whipping, Chapel only later admitted that he had set the fire. <laughs> My bad. Hey. Hey, that was, hey Captain. Uh, yeah. Uh, you remember when I was the only one looking down on the ground when you said who did this? Yeah, it, yeah it, it was it's because if I, I was, if I were fearing a certain whipping, I would say nothing. Right. Maybe one of his mates was like blackmailing him or something and he had to do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. As a prank? Mm. A blackmail (laughs) prank? Yeah. Yeah. So the Essex resumed its journey eastward. 
When it finally reached the promised fishing grounds, thousands of miles west of the coast of South America, the crew could not find any whales for days. Oh no. Tension mounted among the officers of Essex, especially between Pollard and Chase. Oh no. Yeah. Pollard was kind of inexperienced and Chase apparently was a huge prick to all the crew as the first mate. Oh no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but wait, their luck changed. Oh, okay. At 8 in the morning of November 20th, 1820, the lookout sighted a pod of sperm whales and the three remaining whaleboats set out in pursuit. One of the boats, led by Chase, managed to harpoon one of the whales, but its tail struck the boat and opened up a seam, forcing the crew to return to Essex for repairs. Two miles away, boats led by Pollard and second mate Matthew Joy each harpooned a whale and were dragged away towards the horizon from Essex. <laughs> And you could go, like, miles on these things. Yeah. Sure. Right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You could end up in China. Yeah. yeah. Basically. Whalers referred to being dragged like this as a Nantucket sleigh ride. Oh, that meant something different when I was in college. <laughs> While Chase's boat was being repaired on the Essex, the crew spotted a huge male sperm whale close to the ship. It was estimated to be 85 feet long, far bigger than a typical male sperm whale, which was about 65 feet. He had a little more sperm in him. A lot than more the sperm, yeah. Whale. Worse, the whale was acting very strange. Initially, it lay motionless on the water, facing the Essex. Then it began to swim towards the vessel, picking up speed by shallow diving. Then the whale rammed the Essex, oh. rocking her from side to side, and then dove under her, surfacing close to the ship's starboard side. Wow. The whale came to a stop alongside the Essex. Its head lay alongside the bow and its tail by the stern. It was motionless and appeared to be stunned. And then he said, that was great. I called you an Uber. <laughs> <laughs> you can I will make you breakfast. Just give yeah, me yeah. 30 minutes. Smoking a cigarette. <laughs> a four foot long Anyway, cigarette. I got to get to work. <laughs> you got any more to be today? Oh, man. I can't believe work called me on a Sunday. Oh, uh, but I got to go. I got to go. <laughs> if you want to hit me up, use Snapchat. <laughs> Chase prepared to harpoon it from the deck, but he paused. The whale's tail was only inches from the rudder, which it could easily destroy if provoked. Oh, just oh, strand the tail. That's crazy. I mean, smart. Take your shot, dude. Yeah. Take the shot. Come on. Yep. While Chase hesitated, the whale recovered and swam several hundred yards ahead of the ship. This was like, yeah. Oof. It then turned around and faced the ship's bow. Damn. Some have speculated that the whale was agitated by the sounds of hammering on the Essex. They theorized that the sounds of the crew's hammers sounded similar to the clicks made by whales to communicate. Interesting. Yeah, maybe. Under this theory, the whale believed that the boat was actually another male that had entered its territory. Regardless of why, the whale again charged the Essex. Rather than a whale, it's 200 turtles in a trench coat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. like a whale. Tortoises, they sorry. Were, they were accidentally hammering out whale language for, is that all you got? <laughs> <laughs> Say it again. Say it to my face. <laughs> so it crushed the ship's bow, driving the vessel backwards, and then swam off, never to be seen again. Oh. Goodbye. That's just it? Yep. So. And that's our show. The shattered Essex quickly started sinking bow first. The other whaleboats returned to find that the Essex was now a shattered ruin. That's got to be a good feeling. Yeah, you're out long, on your whaleboat. Yeah, you got maybe you got a whale in tow. I don't know, maybe not. It's possible, but you're tired. You're very you're tired. Tuckered out. I mean, this is exhausting work. Yeah. <laughs> to find that your ship, your home, is <laughs> yeah, sinking. Right. 
Yeah. That your boat is nan tucked up. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't get over the imagery though of of hundreds of tortoises floating on their backs <laughs> it, it, surrounding the vessel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One with a little blue ribbon that says champ. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a it's got a margarita and a coconut shell yep. on its belly with a long loopy straw. <laughs> oh, you're back. Hey. <laughs> Do you know which way to the Galapagos? <laughs> Who's been given the turtles rum? Uh, chapel. Chapel. Tommy, baby. <laughs> so, realizing the severity of their situation, Pollard believed they should head for either the Marquesas or Society Islands, a.k.a. Tahiti. Mm. Tahiti. Yeah, obviously Tahiti. Those islands were more than 1,200 miles or 2,000 miles away, respectively. But according to Pollard's rationale, those islands were the closest and his crew would be sailing with the wind. However, first mate Chase and Joy believed that they would likely encounter cannibals. Very ironic, considering what's coming, that they chose not to go to these islands to yes, avoid some cannibals. Old, mm, foreshadowing. Some, some racism got in the way and here we go. Yep. We feared, Pollard later recalled, that we should be devoured by cannibals if we cast ourselves on their mercy. Oh my god. Again, ironic. Yeah. Considering what happens to a few of these guys Mothers. later on. Get on with it. Yeah. Instead, it was decided that they would head back to South America to Peru, but that was more than 4,000 miles away and against the wind and strong currents. Those are both bad. Yeah. For a boat. Yeah, yeah, very bad. Yeah. I feel like you got to go with Tahiti. Let's make lemonade out of these lemons. Let's have a nice little uh, vacation. Yeah. It yeah. might be a few more years before we get back to Nantucket, but that's okay. Hey, maybe right. we got a tan. Yeah. Get a tan, find a little island for chapel to set on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone gets their thing. kicks, you know? It's his favorite thing. The crew outfitted the three whaleboats with makeshift sails, a few tortoises, of yeah. course, <laughs> and two months of seawater-soaked provisions. This was stuff that was like, pulled out of the wreck so it's all saturated with seawater mm. all the food and everything that's good sodium yes oh they've been uh, marinating yeah. i'll bet they're extra tasty. yeah i mean they're already sitting in salt. Sea salt everything rub. they have everything they have is packed in salt yeah so i don't yeah it's probably fine but i don't know wet meat bilge water yeah each of the boats was commanded by one of the officers pollard chase and joy and on november 22nd the men left the wreckage of the essex Things almost immediately went wrong. Provisions dwindled. The men began to suffer from dehydration. That's despite drinking their own urine. That's weird. I feel like that would have helped. It should have, but Good it did Good sodium. Yeah. And the boats encountered bad weather and were in constant need of repair. These ships were not made to be on the sea very long. They're basically, it's almost like a lifeboat. It's just something that you use to, you go hunt the whales and then they go back on the side of the ship. Yeah. They thought they were drinking regular water but that chapel replaced oh, it with scamp. Chapel. He, he dumped all the water all the real water overboard the fresh water <laughs> well he, he drank it, yeah. in all the yeah. he drank enough that he could pee uninterrupted for eight minutes <laughs> yeah all the canteens yeah that chapel on december 20th after having traveled some 1500 miles they arrived at henderson island an uninhabited island in the south pacific there they found fresh water but there was little food on the island. Honestly, fresh water, that's, that's what you need more than anything. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. Realizing they would need to continue sailing, the crew determined that they needed to change course. While mainland South America was 3,000 miles away, Easter Island was closer, at less than 1,000 miles. Captain Pollard wrote an account of the shipwreck, sealed it in a tin box, and nailed it to a tree. 
If they all died, at least someone would know what happened to the crew of the Essex. Pollard called his men back to the rowboats, but three men refused to leave the island, preferring their chances on land. Mm. Yeah. That would be us. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, probably. I'm staying. Yeah. I'm staying. Yeah. Increasingly out of options, the rest of the men set course for Easter Island and headed out December 27th. Oh, so they get to celebrate Christmas. And Boxing yeah, Probably yeah. an awkward Christmas. Yeah. yeah, yeah not a lot so. of presents, I bet. No. Oh, wow. A tortoise shell. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> oh, That's... palm fronds. Just okay. what I wanted. Yeah. On January 10th, 1821, Joy, the second mate, became the first crew member to die. Mm. He was buried at sea, and another crew member, Obed Hendricks, took command of his boat. The next day, a storm hit. Good. Chase's boat was separated from the others, and one of his crew members died on January 20th. Some three weeks later, another sailor on the boat died, and the decision was made to cannibalize his body. <gasps> no! Yeah. What? Thank God they didn't go to Tahiti. Oh, could, could you imagine if they had had to go to Tahiti? I know. All those cannibals. Right, they would just be cannibals? cannibalizing some Mai Tais. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Humanity must shudder. Chase wrote of what happened next. Shut up, Owen. Yeah. And here's where we should note that the following gets pretty graphic. So if descriptions of cannibalism bother you, you can skip ahead a bit. I think that would be reasonable. Yeah. yeah. But if they don't bother you, are you in for a treat? Ooh, buckle up. Nan yeah. tuckle up. First, they seasoned it. Oh. <laughs> Chase said the men, quote, separated limbs from his body and cut all the flesh from the bones. After which, we opened the body, took out the heart, and then closed it again, sewed it up as decently as we could, and committed it to the sea. Then they ate him. With a nice glaze and pan sauce. Of course. And maybe a little turtle. Oh, a little yeah. turtle. It's <laughs> and served with a turtle soup. <laughs> we knew not then to whose lot it would fall next, Chase wrote, either to die or be shot and eaten like the poor wretch we had just dispatched. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Bakers, today you will be making man. Long pig. <laughs> On February 18th, the remaining three sailors in Chase's boat spotted a distant ship, a British brig named Indian. They managed to sail to it and were rescued after 89 days. So just after having eaten a guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they were like, The oh, next okay. morning. Yeah. It was a much worse situation for the remaining two boats, which were led by Pollard and Hendricks. <laughs> who would not stop playing his, his axe, as yeah. he called it. It was pretty cool, though. On a seven-day span between January 20th to 27th, three men died on Hendrick's boat and were eaten. On January 28th, Pollard lost his first man, who also cannibalized. It was what people were doing, it was you know? At the time, it was normal, yeah. yeah it, was, it was a different time. Yeah. A day later, the two remaining vessels were separated. A delicious time. We yeah, like sorry. our guys <laughs> fried, and mm -hmm. they like their guys baked. The boat carrying Hendrix and two others was never seen again. Later, a whaleboat with three skeletons was found on Ducey Island, an uninhabited atoll in the Pitcairn Islands, but it was never determined if they were from the Essex. I love environmental storytelling. Mm -hmm. That left only Pollard's boat. With their supplies exhausted, the men decided to draw lots to see who would be killed and eaten. Pollard's cousin, Owen Coffin, pulled the shortest straw. Although Pollard offered to take his place, the teenager refused. My lad, my lad, Pollard cried. 
If you don't like your lot, I'll shoot the first man that touches you. Coffin refused to let Pollard take his place. I like it as well as any other, the young crewman said. Jeez. Went out like a G. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's hard. For a pretty ball. That is yeah. pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. He was shot on February 6th. Five days later, another crew member died, and he was also cannibalized. They moved around his mouth. I like it as well as any other. <laughs> oh, he okay. wants it. Yeah. <laughs> as he's thrashing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The two remaining men, Pollard and a crew member named Charles Ramsdale, were rescued by an American whaling ship on February 23rd. They were almost within sight of the South American coast when they were spotted. By that time, the two were hallucinating so badly that they did not even notice the ship alongside them and became terrified when they saw their rescuers. Hmm. I love happy endings. I know. In all, only eight crew of the original 21 survived. The survivors included two on Pollard's boat, three on Chase's boat, and three men on Henderson Island. Wow. Yeah. Wait, so they lived? The freshwater guys. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They got the rescued. Just, they're like, we got freshwater. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll figure yeah. out Seriously. the Seriously. Yeah. yeah. And they didn't have to eat anyone. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe not, not by, not out of necessity. Okay, yeah, maybe. We don't know that they didn't enjoy a, <laughs> a meal. A nibble. Man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it grows An back. armor yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When another captain heard Pollard's story, he called it the most distressing narrative that ever came to my knowledge. Yes. Which, Same. yeah, it's horrible. It is terrible. To any captains listening to this podcast, get at us. Have you ever heard a more distressing narrative? Is it, is it so? All those rescued at sea were taken to Chile, where they were reunited. After being told of the three men on Henderson Island, the Australian ship Surrey was dispatched to the island, and on April 9th, 1821, it rescued the remaining survivors. Okay, we got ahead of ourselves a little bit. Yeah, so they, they saved them. Yeah. Fresh water. After returning to Nantucket, Chase wrote an account of his ordeal called Narrative of the Most Extraordinary and Distressing Shipwreck of the Whale Ship Essex. So, not the most catchy. No, but it gets the point across. Doesn't roll off the tongue. Yeah. His work inspired the novel Moby Dick by Herman Melville, which was published in 1851. Herman Melville's uh, alleged relative on the USS Jeanette. Another harrowing tale of, of human oh, survival yeah. on yeah, yeah. this show. Much colder though. Yeah, and if you if you look more into this, like if you if you read, there's a, a book called uh, In the Heart of the Sea about this. They also made a yes. movie that I haven't seen that I don't think was supposed to be very good. But there's a movie uh, and a a very good book about this. But in the Heart of the Sea. Yeah. Melville heard this story and thought, I'm gonna bore high school students for <laughs> generations. <laughs> to but if come. if you look into it, there's a lot of like uh, character. Or, Characters that are named after like real people that were on the ship or like around like there's a Starbuck I think that was on the ship and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, right It's that Chris Hemsworth movie. Yeah, yeah Melville later speculated that all would have survived had they followed Captain Pollard's recommendation and sailed to the closer islands Yeah, yeah. probably but what yeah. about the cannibals? Cannibals, you know Thomas Nickerson a 14 year old cabin boy on the Essex. This was his first voyage <laughs> by the way. <laughs> yeah. Later wrote his account of the sinking and rescue, but the notebook was lost and it was not published until 1984. And you can get that. You can read it. I think there's a, there's a book you can get that is both sort of. It's the, the Chase book and the uh, Thomas Nickerson book are kind of in one. Oh, thing. that's interesting. Yeah, if you want to hear more. But yeah, that's the Essex. <laughs> wow. How do you feel? We finally did it. I feel good. I feel like um, 
I might just go record one by myself afterwards just to get the rest of it out <laughs> yeah. of my system. The unabridged. Yeah, it won't go anywhere, but it will. I'll just kind of, you know. No, it, it won't go anywhere. Say it and yeah. that's that, you know. This isn't popular, but 8 out of 21, not too bad. It's not that bad. It's not great, yeah. but it's not terrible. No, you could do a lot worse. Yeah. Numbers-wise. It's Pe- almost half. It's almost half. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? Some of those people, like, they had good lives. You know? Sure. Well, no. <laughs> they they live good long lives. Yeah. To, to eighteen years old. Yes. To a beautifully old age of eighteen. I'm going on a whaling voyage with my cousin. He's the captain. <laughs> Nothing bad could happen. Nothing bad could happen. I hope I don't get eaten. I like my lot as much as any other. There's also like there are quite a few um, other ships that have been attacked and sunk by whales. I think this is definitely the most dramatic of mm-hmm. the. Uh, of them all, probably. Well, I think it's time that we get our first honorable mention foghorn of season three. Okay. How? What do you do? What do we do? I don't, well, I mean, whoever wants to. How do I make the noise? Can you actually, I have an idea. Why don't you do a whale call? Oh. Oh, wait, I need a hammer, right? You need a hammer, yeah. And a ship to bang it on. <laughs> Some sperm, spermicide or yeah. whatever they have inside them. Uh-huh. Spermicide. Anyway. Yeah. It's a spermicidal <laughs> lubricant is what <laughs> they create naturally. Let's talk about the honorable mention. Mm. Europe is in the throes of a massive drought, just another in a recent string of massive earth-shaking climate change-fueled weather events. And as a result, water levels have dropped dramatically all over. This is currently. This is currently. This okay, is happening okay, now. Gotcha, yeah. Gotcha. The Danube River runs through a series of European countries, uh, though most notably in this case is Germany. It is mm-hmm. the second largest river on the continent. And the Danube functioned as a key waterway throughout history, including during World War II. Uh-oh. And so the, re- uh. the reason I bring that up is because of these historically low levels of this river uh, the wrecks of over a dozen Nazi ships have been revealed. Oh, yeah, no. it looks cool as hell. Just these big hulking masses of metal sitting on the riverbed. It, it's I, I don't think I don't know if this is the first time that they've been like. There's been other times that the water levels have dropped, but this is maybe the most significant. And I don't know if all have been uh, unearthed or unwatered in the past <laughs> eighty years, but. Yeah, they were part of the Nazi Black Sea Fleet, and they were actually sunk in 1944 by the retreating German Navy themselves so the ships would not fall into the hands of the oncoming Soviet army. They like to scuttle their own ships. They and do. U-boats. They love it. It's one of their favorite things. But yeah, the vessels are apparently home to around 10,000 pieces of unexploded ordinances. Of course. Yeah, yeah. and so the, the removal of these is going to cost somewhere in the neighborhood of $30 million. Ooh, so Fun sh- fact, fun fact, they were all designed by Hugo Boss. Oh, <laughs> and Ford yeah. Motor Company. Yeah, they're Volkswagens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and Mercedes, yeah, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, or is it BMW? I don't remember. Those are both German companies, though. So Probably yeah, both, yeah. Makes anyway. sense. To, yeah. Uh, in addition to these ships, the drought and lower water levels have also revealed uh, 5,000-year-old monuments, an entire Spanish village, and a 450-kilogram bomb. Yeah, and I'm looking at something right now where it's a bridge where the water level has lowered to reveal another bridge. <laughs> Like a Roman bridge. That is something else. Yeah. Oh, old school, baby. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But yeah, just uh, incredible things from the past being revealed. Uh, Nazis still a thorn in the side of everyone everywhere. 
um, <laughs> spanning from then until now. So um, go to hell, and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the water comes back, yeah. so we don't have to look right, at these ships anymore. Let's not get political. <laughs> right, right, right. Sorry, sorry. Uh, follow us on social. We are shooting and making TikToks and putting them on Ship Hits Pod on TikTok. We have one posted. We have two more shot and two more on top of that written. Yes. It is happening. So if you are a child, keep a lookout for those. Okay. A lot of people are on TikTok. TikTok. Yeah, no, but it's not just children. <laughs> no? Teens no. also? Adults. Problematic mm. adults. Problematic oh, adults. Problematic yeah, adults. making, okay, making got it, got long it, strings of apologies over things yes. that you didn't even know existed. Understood. Um. But yeah, follow us on Twitter, Instagram. We are going to continue to make an effort to <laughs> procreate this more. But thank you for everyone that's followed us, rocked with us. We've got a really exciting season coming up. Mm-hmm. We are so excited about all the wrecks and uh, interesting stories we've put together. All uh, right, keep them bones bleached. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, most definitely. Bleach. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.